0: you were able to improve by 1% each day for an entire year and those gains compound, you would end up 37 times better at the end of the year. And if you were to get 1% worse, you would whittle yourself almost all the way down to zero. What's interesting here is that everybody wants a transformation, right? Everybody wants a radical improvement, one rapid success, but we fail to realize that small habits and little choices are transforming us every day already.
1: Today, I bring you James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, who shares a transformative message about habits, process, identity, and focusing on getting just 1% better. Not 50%, not 20%, not even 10%, just 1 measly percent better every day. Who can do that? Anyone can do it. It's stupid simple. I just love the simplicity of focusing on getting 1% better. And I want to share something incredible about the impact of getting 1% better over a period of time. If you run this through a calculator, you'll discover the magic. After one year, you will be 37 times better, which is incredible, considering you started at just 1%. But it's in the second year that the magic begins, the magic of the compound effect. After year two, you're not 74 times better or 37 times 2 you're actually 1,400 times better. Now you compound that over five years, and you're just over 76 million times better. Once you hit the 10-year mark, the number's so big, I don't even know how I could express it to you on this podcast. In his amazing book, Atomic Habits, James says, quote, Too often, we convince ourselves that massive success requires massive action. Whether it is losing weight, building a business, writing a book, or achieving any other goal, we put pressure on ourselves to make some earth-shattering improvement that everyone will talk about. Meanwhile, improving by 1% isn't particularly notable. Sometimes it isn't even noticeable, but it can be far more meaningful, especially in the long run. Habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. End quote. I will feature Atomic Habits on this podcast very soon, but for now, I wanted to let James Clear share his wisdom with you today. Here is James Clear.
0: One way to think about it is just kind of basic math. Like if you just look at the numbers, if you were able to improve by 1% each day for an entire year and those gains compound, you would end up 37 times better at the end of the year. And if you were to get 1% worse, you would whittle yourself almost all the way down to zero. What's interesting here is that everybody wants a transformation, right? Everybody wants a radical improvement, want rapid success. But we fail to realize that small habits and little choices are transforming us every day already. For the rest of this talk, there are four stages of habit formation. I'm going to take you through each of those four. So the four stages are noticing, wanting, doing, and liking. Noticing, wanting, doing, and liking. One of my favorite things about noticing, one of my favorite strategies for discussing it, It's called implementation intentions. Many people think that they lack motivation when what they really lack is clarity. They think that they need to get more motivated, that they need willpower in order to execute on a habit. If I just felt like writing, if I just felt like meditating, if I felt like working out, then I would do it. But in fact, they don't have a plan for it. And so they wake up each day thinking, I wonder if I'll feel motivated to write today. I wonder if I'll feel motivated to work out today. But instead you can take the decision-making out of it by explicitly stating when, where, and how you want to implement the habit. It sounds easy to say, let's just start a plan. Let's, you know, write down exactly what you should do. And then maybe you'll follow through on it. But of course we all know that there are challenges that arise. It's not quite that easy. So here's a little strategy that I like to use to make sure you can come up with a better plan of action and it's called a failure pre-mortem. So the way that it works is you think about the habit, the project, the goal, whatever the most important thing is that you want to work on. And I want you to imagine fast forward six months from now and you failed. And then tell the story of why you failed. What happened? What challenges did you encounter? What was it that took you off course? Once you have all that stuff laid out on the table in front of you, you can start to make better choices about how to develop a plan. You can start to have if-then plans. So not only do I want to exercise for 20 minutes on Monday at 5 p.m., but also if I do not exercise because I have to take my kid to practice or whatever, then Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. I will go in. Right? You can have ways to adjust for these challenges. Stage two, wanting. One of the most overlooked drivers of habits and human behavior is our physical environment, and this is an interesting insight about our desires. Your environment often influences them. We want things simply because they are an option, right? Simply because they are in front of us at the time. Thankfully, you don't have to be the victim of your environment. You can also be the architect of it. You can decide to design something to make your good behaviors easier and your bad behaviors harder. So when it comes to habits, you want to practice your guitar more frequently, put it right in the middle of your living room, so you run across all the time. If you want to read more, when you make your bed in the morning, take the book you want to read, put it on top of the pillow. When you come back that night, pick it up, read a few pages, go to sleep. Many of our desires are simply shaped because we have an environment that shapes us in that way. So the moral of the story is I've never seen someone stick to positive habits in a consistent fashion in a negative environment. Maybe you can overpower once or twice, maybe you can have the willpower to do the right thing on one day. But if you're constantly fighting against those forces, it's gonna be very hard to follow through. Stage three, doing. The important insight here, especially for habits, is that in the beginning, the most important thing is just to shut up and put your reps in. Just make sure that you hone the skill, right? And you can start to think of it, the way that I like to think of it is that any outcome that you wish to achieve is just a point along the spectrum of repetitions. So if you have few reps to more reps, and you can imagine an easy goal, a moderate goal, a hard goal, the more reps that you put in, the more, that you, more likely you are to achieve that goal. Now, what I like to say is you should optimize for the starting line, not the finish line. Right? So often when we think about habits, goals, routines, achievements, it's all about the milestone. We think about how much weight we want to lose, how much money we want to earn, how many subscribers we want to have. It's all fixed on the finish line. But instead, if you can optimize for the starting line and make it as easy as possible to get started and get your reps in, often the outcomes just come as a natural result. Okay, stage four, liking. The only reason that we repeat behaviors is because we enjoy them, because we like the reward. If we don't enjoy the experience along the way, we're unlikely to stick with it. And that means that you need to figure out ways to bring a reward into the present moment because good habits have a problem. And that problem is that for good habits, the immediate consequence is there. There's a cost that happens in the moment, but the reward is often delayed. So you need to figure out how to bring the reward into the present moment to stick to a good habit. And Someone else who's gonna be speaking here, Seth Godin, had a very nice little quote about this. He said, the best way to change long-term behavior is with short-term feedback. And one way to think about that is that long-term behaviors, sticking with writing for years on end or going to the gym and so on, they, they have those delayed consequences. So you need a way to enjoy it in the moment. So here's what I think you should do. Get a wall calendar where you can see every day of the year mapped out on it. And then any day that you do your task of writing jokes for 15 minutes, I want you to just put an X that day and you'll have a couple false starts here and there but at some point you're gonna get a little bit of a chain going right you get four, five, six, seven, eight days in a row and at that point your only goal becomes to don't break the chain doesn't matter how good or how bad the jokes are doesn't matter if it makes it into your material just don't break the chain what's interesting about this is that by measuring your progress you get an immediate reward in the moment right the reward of like having a great stand-up routine 40 you know 40 days from now or 40 weeks from now or whatever is not that it's so delayed that you need something in the moment that makes you feel good. So if you do those 15 minutes, you can cross that off. That's a way to get an immediate hit, a little bit of a reward by tracking it. We often fear that in order to achieve something new, to become someone new, we have to abandon everything that we are, but in fact, that's not how it works. Change can happen plank by plank, board by board, habit by habit, and gradually you can become someone new. With consistency and repetition, you can actually change not only your results, but actually your identity is because the more evidence that we have for a belief, the more likely we are to believe it. So if you go to church every Sunday for 20 years, you believe that you are religious. If you study Spanish every Thursday night for 20 minutes, you believe that you are studious. The actions that you take provide evidence for who you are. And it's not that habits matter more necessarily on an individual basis, each moment in life matters. But what ends up happening is that over the broad span of time, things that you do once or twice fade away and things that you do time after time, day after day, week after week, accumulate the bulk of the evidence for what you believe about yourself. And so every action that you take is actually a vote for the type of person that you wanna become. If you wanna become someone new, then you can take a new action and begin to accumulate evidence for that identity, for that belief about yourself. And that the more votes that you cast, the more likely you are to win the election. You don't need to be unanimous. You don't have to be perfect all the time. You just need to have the body of work. True change is actually not behavior change. It's not results change. It's not process change. It's identity change. The goal is not to become, the goal is not to read a book. It's to become a reader. The goal is not to write a book or write an article. It's to become a writer. Goal is not to run a marathon, it's to become a runner, to become a type of person, to develop an identity. And the way to being something or becoming someone is through doing something. So every time you sit down to write, every time you practice that habit, you are being a writer. Every time you play a sport, you're being an athlete. Every time you practice painting or music or whatever, you're being an artist. And habits are not only the method through which we achieve external measures of success, like losing weight or gaining more, earning more money or meditating and reducing stress. They are also the path through which we achieve internal change and actually become someone new. They're the path through which we forge the identity that we have, the deepest beliefs we have about ourselves, our sense of self. And so if you can change your habits you can change your life.
1: I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. As he says, every action that you take is a vote for the type of person you want to become. One of the most critical lessons I've learned over the past three years is that true success in any area of your life requires a shift from believing that our feelings drive our actions and our actions build our identity. It's a common belief, but it's not the belief of successful people. It starts with your identity. Ultimately, you let your identity, the person you strive to be, define your actions, and your actions then drive your feelings. For example, if I want my identity to be Fit Father at 50, then my actions are driven by that identity. Those actions elevate my feelings around showing up to do the work. It is never a good idea to rely on your feelings because success requires difficulty and you won't feel like doing difficult things consistently enough to reach your goals. That is today's Philosopher Bite. I hope you can extract a nugget from today's talk and start applying it to your life. Start your journey towards getting just 1% better. You've been listening to Philosopher Insights with your host, Herb Lambeth. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, Please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To go deeper with me, you can register for free at www.philosopherinsights.com for instant access to a growing library of Philosopher Insights, which are 8-10 to 10 page PDFs, plus 20-minute MP3s that break down my favorite insights from the world's best personal development books. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Facebook at Optimal Herb. Thanks again